Welcome to Port Phantoms, a podcast miniseries dedicated to telling the haunted tales from the college at Brockport. I'm your host, Darcy Porter. We made it, our third and final episode, the episode where all of our efforts to trace paranormal activity on the campus of Brockport culminate, and the real reason you're listening. Because you're not listening to this podcast to have to speculate on your own about whether or not these tales are true. The real reason you're listening is because you want to know, definitively, for once and for all, if Brockport is haunted. And I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of right there with you. Yes, even me, the skeptic. There were times during the production of this episode where I was waiting with bated breath for that very answer. So, it's time. We're asking it. Is Brockport haunted? And you'll get your answer straight from the mouth of Brockport's professional ghost hunter. So sit back, relax, if you dare, and listen for the next 10 minutes or so. This is episode three of Port Phantoms, The Ghost Hunt. I mentioned briefly in our last episode how this podcast, and more importantly, The Ghost Hunt, originated. Vinny Carbone is a 2010 Brockport alum, a theater and communications double major who had his own paranormal experience on the campus of Brockport, and out of it came a career. He is now a professional paranormal investigator, working mainly out of the tri-state area. But this past summer, he has to come back to campus and investigate. Would he find paranormal activity in Hartwell? Quick plug, there's a video of the entire ghost hunt in the port. Head to brockport.edu news to watch that. But back to this podcast. I gave him a call after the fact to talk through what went down in Hartwell this past summer. Primarily, I wanted to know his conclusions from it. Did he see any ghosts? Is Hartwell haunted? Okay, hi, Vincent. This is Darcy. Hi, Darcy. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm okay. You know, you know what? Just hearing you say it sounds so weird. No one calls me Vinny. You could just call me Vinny. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Vinny. Basically, I'm creating a podcast um, for the month of October. It's called Port Phantoms. I heard the first installment. You don't believe in ghosts. Oh, good. You listened. Okay. I don't believe yes. in ghosts. Yeah, I'm a skeptic. So Good. So, Vinny, your title is paranormal investigator what terms do you use in this profession well um we often use the types of hauntings that uh we investigate meaning there are uh, residual hauntings or intelligent hauntings um, a residual haunting is if uh, someone uh, comes to us with a claim that a certain type of thing keeps happening over and over again, or, or a certain type of, uh, you know, uh, visual is, is seen, is observed. Uh, like, let's say I see a woman walking down the staircase every night at nine o'clock. That's a residual haunting. An intelligent haunting is if that woman walks down the staircase, stops, turns and says, Hey, you, that's and, and directly attempting to engage us. That's highly intelligent. Um, and then there's various others as well. There's 
poltergeist is a term that gets tossed around a lot, often incorrectly. Um, uh, poltergeist is actually not thought to be the spirit of a human being that's come back, uh, but rather, simply put, it's a source of energy that uh, develops uh, in a location, causes some havoc, and then disappears. And there's a lot of folklore and belief attached to that as well. Um, so that's just some of uh, what the different types of terminology that we use. How about ghost hunt? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's absolutely something. You know, some people get really bougie about it. They're like, I'm not a ghost hunter. I'm a paranormal investigator. It's like, great, you sit in the dark and try to talk to dead people. So what do you think that is, right? Right. Um, it's it's you know the way i describe it is a a ghost hunt is often a um you know it's uh it's a group of friends getting together and trying to do exactly that they're trying to have some fun they're trying to uh possibly follow up on some urban legend that they've heard uh about hey i heard that this abandoned hospital is haunted let's go go on a ghost hunt um to take it a step further, though, a paranormal investigation uh, is a formalized gathering of people who've done this before with equipment. They get permission to go to the location or they've been requested to go to that location. Uh, and then they do exactly that. They, they perform um, a scientific um, uh, investigation uh, using – could be different electrical equipment. Um, uh, equipment that measures different electric frequencies, um, vibration detectors, EMF detectors, uh, motion sensors. And then a lot of the investigation actually takes place after the investigation too because they have to go back and listen to data and watch recordings and see if they pick up anything. So give us a little insight as to your career uh, being a paranormal investigator. How many investigations have you conducted? Uh, uh, well, I've investigated all over the U.S. Um, I've investigated a, a lot of places just once, uh, but there are several places I've investigated, you know, many, many times. For example, um, the Morshimo Mansion in Manhattan, where I, uh, where I worked, I probably have investigated there going nearing the triple digits at this point. Um, historic Richmond town on Staten Island. I've investigated there now for the last two years. So I'm getting up there in numbers, but overall I'd say I've probably done, uh, I've probably investigated maybe 20 different locations or so. But like I said, if you were to look at the amount of times I've gotten gear out and actively have tried to, um, research what's going on in, in specific locations countless at this point and as you know because you listened to the podcast i'm a skeptic so how many of those investigations would you say resulted in paranormal activity um only a handful only a handful and and i and i tell people that at the beginning of the when i do a public investigation or a lecture i off i open and i tell people listen it's not my responsibility to convince you one way or the other that ghosts are real or not. And I can't guarantee that they're going to leave from that experience any more or less believers in the paranormal. And I don't say that to get myself off the hook if nothing happens, but I, t I say that because I 
don't want people to come to one three-hour lecture or investigation and suddenly that's it, I'm a total believer or not. Um, I think life is fluid and our beliefs should be as so. And, um, you know, I always make the joke as well. I, I can look around the room and immediately figure out who bought the tickets to be there and who got dragged to be there, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the friend, the cousin, whatever the case was. You know, they're the ones rolling their eyes. They're the ones with their arms folded. They're the ones who, you know, kind of have a smirk on their face. And I address that immediately. And I say, listen, first of all, you've never done this before, probably. You may never do this again. It's three hours of your life. Just give in to the experience and have fun with it. Uh, I'm not there to be super serious or, um, you know, try to force you into my belief system. Um, because quite honestly, the jury's actually still out for me too. Uh, I am what you would call skeptical believer. And I really, really do believe that the vast majority of claims or stories that we hear are embellished, misinterpreted or fabricated. So, yeah, so that's basically, it. it's not my job to, to make someone believe in ghosts one way or the other. And quite honestly, I much rather investigate with a skeptic than a complete believer because, a. uh, a total believer is going to say any blow of the wind or creak of a door is a ghost, right? Right, yeah. And, and further, just to add to that, um, I'm a very, very strong believer that if you have a belief in life, well, let's just take the paranormal, for example, the best way to fortify your own beliefs is to be willing to engage those that disagree with you because it's easy to be in a room full of people that agree with you and build yourself up and gas yourself up. But if you have to now, you know, take a stand and say, well, I believe this and here's why and be willing to take, you know, have shots at you, then, you know, that that really is going to test your ability uh, as an investigator or just as someone who simply believes in this stuff. So let's get into the heart of why you're here. Um, This summer, you contacted your alma mater about doing a paranormal investigation in Hartwell Hall. So walk us through that investigation. What did setup look like? So setup for the investigation at Hartwell Hall was pretty simple. Um, and quite honestly, that's how I like to keep it for most investigations, unless I'm doing a bigger public investigation or lecture. Um, everything that I used on that investigation was held in a little bag. Um, and honestly, that's all you really need for a baseline investigation. So for that, I brought uh, a couple of EMF detectors or K2 meters. They measure electric magnetic frequency. Um, I brought a couple of vibration detectors. So they're just simply little plastic balls that light up if anything pokes, moves, or rolls them around. Um, I brought some motion sensor lights. Uh, very simple devices that you could get at, you know, any Home Depot or Lowe's or anything like that. Uh, I brought a REM pod, tech static electricity, and I think that's about it. We may have done some EVP uh, or electronic voice phenomena uh, recordings as well throughout the night. And first thing we did was just walk through. We talked about locations that we wanted to investigate. Um, and, of course, there is some legend and lore that comes with that so if you you know uh if i was to hear hey someone died in this spot or at this location 
we're probably going to investigate that location. But with that said, I believe that anything can happen in any spot of a location. So um, we just did a walkthrough, and we tried to take it slow. I remember it was very, very hot that evening. Um, but that, that that's about it. We just went from room to room, um, and we just set up the equipment, gave it a couple of minutes, and we saw what we got. And honestly, the analogy that I always like to use, it's like fishing. You know, sometimes you could go out for years and get nothing, and sometimes you could go out one day and get a whole bunch. So, uh, yeah. So what sorts of activity or signs are you looking for when you're using this equipment to determine whether or not there's a paranormal presence? Well, the first thing that we're looking for is any kind of fluctuation in our baseline readings. And by what I mean by that is if I have a K2 meter or an EMF detector and that device was not actually made for ghost hunting, that device was made for plumbers and electricians. So when they start to go dig around in walls, they don't get electrocuted or it's, it's an it's a indicator of the level of EMF in that location. So if I was to take that device and I was to put it on top of a computer, uh, it would flash all the, all the way to red. It has several dots, like these little plastic bulbs on it. And green is a very low EMF level, red, all the way to orange, yellow, and then red is very high EMF. So what I'm looking for is any fluctuation in that device. And I always tell people that if that lights up, that in no way is an indicator that there's definitely a ghost there. But it's very interesting when you've been in the same spot for the last 15 minutes and nothing has happened. And then all of a sudden you start talking about names, dates, events that have happened in that location. You start to see fluctuations. That's pretty interesting. Now, could it be organic? Yes. But keep in mind that if it was organic, meaning there is an electrical current running underneath the stage or something, that should have been doing that for the last 15 minutes. So that's what we're looking for in that device. Same thing with a, a REM pod that, that uh, measures static electricity. If that starts to light up or activate in any way, it's very, very rare that that ever does. But if it does, again, why wasn't it doing it the last 10 minutes or so? Um, vibration ball, same thing. So you, what you're seeing is the pattern of we set all these devices out. And I can tell right away if there's an organic sense, a, a, a organic source of energy that would be making these devices go off. And if I see that, I move them because I don't want any false readings, let's say. So that's what we did that night. So any specific locations you remember being investigated because, you know, there's tales of the old pool being haunted or um, the dance studio, Strasser Studio. So were there any specific locations that you recall seeing any sort of activity? I think we had a few K2 hits and uh, vibration, vibration balls activate um, in the dance theater on the stage and I think we may have had some activity in the um, dance studio that used to be where the pool was or I believe that's where the pool was more recently well in the last 10 years is where I took Irish dance for my intro to dance uh, requirement um, but that was about it it was not a very active night and that's okay and not every night the walls are going to bleed and people are going to levitate that's okay 
So, Vinny, in your expert opinion, is Hartwell Hall haunted? Uh, one, I don't like the term expert because that implies some kind of uh, college degree or something of that. I do have a college degree, but not in specifically uh, paranormal investigating. But I, I, I always, I always laugh when people say that. But, um, but thank you. But do I think Hartwell Hall is haunted? Uh, it's very. It, inconclusive i i i don't know um if, if i was to base it solely off of my few hours that i was there i'd say probably not but again and this is I, what i always remind people is that when they go to a location they'll hear all of these stories about all of these things happening over the last couple of years over the last several you know could be 100 years right and then they come there for a three-hour investigation not a lot happens yeah because most likely not you know, I always use the analogy of if I told you that there was a blizzard at Brockport and it shut down the entire city, classes were even canceled, which is very rare, but classes were canceled. But I tell you that story in August and you run outside expecting to see a blizzard happen. It's not going to happen. The elements had to be just right in that moment for, uh, for it to present itself. So for us that evening, not a lot of activity. So if I was to have to sign off haunted or not haunted, I would say not haunted. Thanks, Vinny. No problem. Thank you. I'm your host, Darcy Porter. Thanks for listening, and happy Halloween.